delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. And welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the radio show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Another big week coming your way. We're going to speak to Todd Hazelwood shortly about his good weekend down in Tassie. Of course, the supercars there for round two last weekend. We'll also have a chat to Valentino Astuti, a clean sweep winner in the Formula Fords two weeks ago down at Phillip Island. Uh, Some of a open-wheeling uh, legendary driver down here, Sam Astuti. So we'll have a chat to Valentino very shortly as well. Mark Walker and Tom Archuli to join us to wrap up what was a massive weekend of supercars and Formula One. But first of all, let's hear from the winners from the weekend. We kick it off by having a listen to Shane Van Gisberg at a massive weekend for the 97 car. Just blitzed everybody right across Tasmania. And with thanks to Supercars Media, here's Shane. Congratulations, clean sweeping the weekend here in Tasmania. You're the first driver to do that since Gartana back in 2005. So that's a groovy stat, but we loved your entry uh, into the stop area here. What does this mean to the team to come here and dominate in the fashion you have? Oh, it's pretty awesome. And um, can't thank Red Bull and Paul Racing enough. Like, the car's been really good all weekend and Brock's been up here as well. And yeah, just can't thank the guys enough. And each race we had to work for it. Some more good passes there, and I hope it was good to watch. And, um, yeah, I'm pumped. Talk to us about the strategy and the pit stops too. They've been perfect. Yeah. The guys did a great job then to make yeah. sure that you're well in front of the shell cars <laughs> who were coming for you. Yeah, I was screaming over the radio, pretending I had no rear, and then made them pit early, and then I just went, so sucked in. <laughs> and just talk to us about your relationship with Andrew Edwards, your new yeah. engineer this year. You guys seem like you've really hit the ground running now. Oh, it's, it's awesome, you know, and... We've got some tough competition with those guys. I don't mean that comment in a bad way. They're very tough to beat. They're fast guys and um, enjoying it. Andrew's been a great asset to our team, but the whole team's working well and big changes this year, but been fun to be a part of. Congratulations. Go and celebrate. Thank you. Let's also have a listen to the winner of the Formula Ones at Saudi Arabia. A late uh, overtaking move from Max Verstappen put him into the lead where he stayed for the last lap or two. And this is what he had to say after the race. Max Verstappen, what a difference a week makes. This time last week you were retired, double retirement, now you are the winner of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and what a battle it was with Charles Leclerc. How much fun did you have out there? Yeah, it was a tough one. I mean, uh, it was not easy, especially in the beginning to follow. It was quite, uh, quite difficult. Uh, it was very easy to, uh, you know, to open up the tyre and uh, then you have no performance anymore. But I think once we swapped to the hard tyre, actually, um, it went well. I think um, we played the, the, the long game and on, on the tyres and especially after the last VSC it seemed like we had good tyre grip and uh, we could make the most from that. So um, yeah, tough battle. I really enjoyed it with, uh, with Charles. It was um, not easy to get past him but in the end we did it and uh, yeah, we, uh, we can be uh, very proud. Of course, unlucky for Checo today with the, with the first uh, safety car but I'm sure um, we have plenty of races to, uh, to make up for that. And it's clever, canny racing, isn't it? Certainly alongside Charles. You've got, you have to have patience, don't you, to actually make the move and make it stick? Uh, patience is, uh, is always key. And uh, especially you know, when you want to fight for the championship, you have to uh, fight hard. But of course, take a mind, you need to score points. So uh, that's what we did today, I think, both of us. We raced hard, but of course, we also want to score the points. 
Max Verstappen there with thanks to Formula1.com. Some news coming through. The South Australian Premier has said that he would like to see the Adelaide 500 become the Supercars season finale for the years to come. And that is, of course, uh, opposite to where the Supercars, or where the Adelaide 500 used to be, which um, used to be the first race of the season. But uh, the Premier now looking to have that race as the last race of the season, which would be a fantastic place for a celebration. This year's Adelaide 500 is slated in for December one to four so we'll see how that runs plenty more to talk about we'll do that right throughout the show especially later on in our wrap with the boys but first of all let's get straight into it you're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world on the grid all right joining me as always off the top of the program richard Krager. Hey, krause tony shebecki hello what a banging weekend that was at simmons plains yeah. weather extraordinary unlike what we've ever seen down there i think and some proper old school touring car racing, wasn't it? Like the early 90s, they had the elbows out, bashing doors, bit of bump drafting. The side draft was a big talking yeah. point and some really different results with the championship leader buried down in the field, Tickford doing Tickford things, being fast and then not, and some unpredictable results as well, uh, which we really like to see. It's a, a cracking championship five races in now and, I thought three really entertaining supercars races at a really, really cool little racetrack at Simmons Plains. Yeah, while well, we saw Shea Van Disbergen sort of really take the uh, the weekend by the throat, everyone else put up their hands and said, well, hang on, we're still around and, you know, we're going to give this a, a real cracking shot. And one of those guys that did that, actually, was the man we speak to from Matt Stone Racing, Todd Hazelwood. Good day, Todd. How are you? I'm very good, team. Thanks for having me on the show once again. Yeah, it was a cracking weekend in Tassie, as Richard said. It was... I can't get over the weather more than anything. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Especially uh, the later in the year we get, the worse you think it's going to get in Tassie. But you're right. That was just amazing stuff for this time of year. A good weekend for your guys. It's sort of, uh, it, it picked up a little bit from where you left off from, uh, from Sydney. Oh, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. We're really pleased, obviously, of our weekend. We had a strong pace from practice. And to be able to convert that into qualifying and, and at the team's personal uh, race result on Sunday in the afternoon race and race three was really cool. So we're proud of everyone's efforts where we've come a long way in a short time. Obviously, lots of changes behind the scenes and that hard work is to, to see that come to life so early on in the piece and only round two of the partnership together is, yeah, really exciting. We, we were talking off air, Todd, before we push the record button uh, about how you manage expectations, because I think the thing to remember is that you qualified second and fourth yourself and Jack LeBrock for that race. Awesome job by JLB to get on the front row and then yourself on row two and you walk away with a fifth place. Now, if you're DJR or you're triple eight and that's your turnaround from your qualifying results, you're probably disappointed, but for an up and coming team like Matt Stone racing and truck assist racing, I imagine the approach is slightly different. How do you measure the expectation of that race when you're running in a podium position, having qualified with a car on the front row to finishing fifth, is it disappointment? Is it happiness? Is it, oh, I really don't know how to feel. Yeah. I, I reckon it's 80% disappointment and 20% happiness. You know, obviously, mm. you know, you want to be at that point end of the field. And I think any day that you're inside the top five, it's a job really, really done well. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to qualify at the front and to convert that into a race result. Yeah, we, we were still obviously very pleased with that. You know, as I mentioned, it was a team's equal best race result. 
Um, so yeah, lots of lots of positive things moving forward, and you know, hopefully we can only just we can just keep building off this and get better. So um, you know, hopefully it's only a matter of time until we do get that team's very first maiden podium, and and we can convert that into a you know strong result. From a personal point of view, was it nice to be on another track other than Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's great to get back in Tassie and, and see fans. You know, we've got such a supportive network of fans in Tasmania, and it's cool to obviously see people on the hill again and, and getting amongst what we do. It was a little bit disappointing to see that 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 um, I suppose the fan cap, if you call it, of five thousand a day. Um, but you know, obviously we go to Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time. We've got sellout crowds, so. Yeah, it's cool to see you know, everything coming back to life, I guess. So five races in, you're 11th in the championship. You've gone 15th, 13th, 10th, 10th, 5th. So the graph is certainly trending in the right direction. How's the learning process been getting back up to speed with this team that you've been away from for a couple of seasons? And I mean, clearly the results going in the right direction, but what's it been like behind the scenes and, and you re-acclimatizing to this group, which has grown and expanded and evolved since the last time you drove with these guys? Yeah, it's been going really well, Crowsley, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously, for me, it was really easy to, to walk back into those four walls of the workshop and a lot of common faces, which always makes those, those relationships that you don't even have to think about or work, build on. They're just there from, from the past. And, um, but obviously, new partnership working with Chris Stuckey, my engineer, which is obviously the key part of my ingredients to going racing and being competitive. And yeah, he's done a ripping job for me so far. Really enjoying my time working with Stucky. And, you know, I felt like Tassie was really the first round for us, getting our heads together and understanding what the car wants, what bookmarking the certain changes and having a good clean weekend where obviously it wasn't weather interrupted, wasn't different tire compounds. We could really get our heads together and unlocks, unlock what the car wanted. And for me, that's something I've really been desperately wanting to achieve in the first part of this year and haven't really, didn't feel like we really got, the most out of it from our test day and obviously Sydney was weather impacted for majority of the weekend. So yeah, look, obviously really pleased with the progress we've made in such a short amount of time, even to be working with Jack LeBrock as my teammate as well. That's been going really well. I think we've both been pushing the team hard um, to get the most out of it. And we're seeing that with the on-track success that we've got in a such such a short space of time. So yeah, we're just, um, you know, everyone's hungry for results in our team, which is cool. We're all results driven. And the passion's there. And, you know, hopefully now we can start rewarding these boys with some good results. A two-part question for you. The first part is normally when new drivers go to a team, they don't generally go back to a team that they've been at before. Does that raise the expectation level for you and the team as to what you should be doing straight off the bat? Normally when a new driver goes to a team, there's that sort of a bit of a grace period, get used to the car, get used to the team, all that sort of stuff. But because you've been there before, and you know the guys, is there that expectation that you probably should be doing pretty well straight off the top? Um, expectations are a funny thing. Um, I, I just focus on the job, I guess. But look, obviously, there's the, there's the common relationships there. I've known Matt since I was a kid and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the reality is the car's a lot different to when I last drove it in 2019. Um, there's a lot of updates on the chassis and the, and the setup philosophy is totally different. And obviously, a new uh, partnership with an engineer as well. So... Some, you know, for, I suppose all the common things that you ex that you would expect to be the same when you jump back into a team only after a couple of years, uh, they're all different. So I, for me, it sort of feels like I'm driving in a, in a new car and obviously building that relationship still with an engineer. So as far as 
what to expect and, and could it be better? Yeah, obviously you want it, you want it to be good instantly because, you know, it feels like for me, I've got unfinished business in the team and I want to get results as soon as possible, I guess. But um, yeah, I think everyone's got, you know, the, the common goal in sight, you know, we're not expecting instant miracles overnight. Yeah. You know, I think it was amazing. Obviously that we're mm. fighting for a podium in Tassie, but you know, we're under no illusion that, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, I feel like all the ingredients is there. We've got all the fruit to get some really good stuff happening. We just haven't quite got it all gelling yet. So that, that takes time, but we're certainly on the right path. And the second part to that question is the relationship with you and your new engineer. And for the people that know motor racing, they'll know that to have a good relationship with your engineer is like having a good marriage. It's a happy yeah. thing. Things go That's nicely it. at both ends and you just work through. How do you build that relationship with a brand new engineer? Do you guys hang out together for a couple of full days and go out for lunch and dinner and just talk crap? Or Because it, you can't be expected to build a relationship just on a couple of weekends of racing, can you? Yeah, exactly. And the unique thing for us, um, you know, Chris Stuckey, my engineer, he works full time for the team, but he's actually based in Melbourne. So he's virtually in the workshop all day, every day um, via computer screen. So he's basically on Zoom 24 um, seven, but not in the workshop. So there's, I suppose, that little bit of human element missing at the moment. We have obviously haven't spent too many days together outside of the, the race weekends and the test day. But, you know, he is spending time in the workshop this week leading into the Grand Prix. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's sort of catching up for a meal or having a beer together and chewing the fat and coming up with ideas during the week. It's, you know, like you said, it's outside of my message. He, you know, he's the closest guy in my phone yeah. book who I'm texting every, you know, during the week. So, um, yeah, it's a really close relationship, but look, Hey, it's, it's all going really well. I really, really like what Chris is doing. He's very methodical, very calm, very relaxed. And I sort of, I don't know. I like that in an interview engineer like i you know, i don't like guys that get too crazy and too adventurous you know i like like engineers that see ideas through and um don't go off on too many different tangents over a course of a weekend so i think you know early days but you know so far really good and really happy speaking about coming up with ideas you touched on the grand prix and i think everyone in the field will be looking for ideas when we roll out to albert park in a week and a half's time because it's a very different looking Albert Park Grand Prix circuit to what we're used to. Fundamental changes around the back. Uh, what was turn nine and 10 chicane basically disappeared now and it'll be flat out through there. Turn six has changed. Turn 13 is different. The big stop at the end of Fitzroy Street there. How do you approach that when you've got an idea about this track and some history there and some data surely from when the teams raced there before, but so much of it has changed. What's the process you go through as a driver and then with the engineer and the team to get up to speed on a circuit that's going to be very, very different in character to what we're used to seeing when supercars race at the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah, it's a really unique challenge, Krause, um, especially the fact that no one's done any other form of driving on that circuit before. Like Normally when you go to a, a circuit that you haven't raced on before, you can look at maybe historical data or you know old footage or so forth, something that you can try and get an idea of what to expect. Whereas we're going in completely blind um, this weekend, you know, new surface on, on some areas of the circuit, which obviously make a dramatic impact on the way the car handles and, and feels but under, you know, when you're behind the wheel and obviously just working out what race lines to take, what things to look out for and where you're going to pass people and, and how that'll, how that all changes. But um, we'll get a pretty good idea from a driver's perspective during the track walk. Obviously we've, we've got reasonable access to the circuit 
you know, during the week. So we've got some really good footage, uh, I suppose, when I say footage, uh, images of the circuit. And we'll come up with some preconceived ideas of, you know, what, what we're going to be expecting, what sort of speeds we're going to be targeting. And, you know, that will start to probably change our setup philosophy because of that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a unique challenge, but really just got to get out on the track and send it and see what you can <laughs> see what it feels like and see what it likes. And you, you just got to, yeah, throw the car around and see where it sticks, I guess, and work it out from there. So practice one is going to be crucial. Um, and, you know, I think we'll, it's one of those sort of common lottery weekends where you're going to roll the car out of the truck. And if you're on it, you might fluke it and you'll have a really good weekend. And the unique thing with Grand Prix, been such a long lap with only sh short practice sessions you don't actually get many laps or many chances to actually change the setup over the course of practice uh, before you go straight into qualifying Thursday afternoon so, so yeah it's going to be a, a unique tough challenge but uh, we'll be ready for it. One of the uh, unique things this year is going to be the fact that you go back to a lot of tracks that you haven't been to for a couple of years Grand Prix and Albert Park being one of those have you have you been able to get a sense from the uh, the teams and you, you, you and the people in the garages over the last couple of race meetings or the first two race meetings that everyone feels that this year is sort of getting back to a bit of normality? Do you feel that that's going to be the case for twenty twenty two? I certainly think so, um, and and particularly in a business world, obviously being involved in the commercial side of the of the business, and you know there, there is a, a genuine level of excitement. Um, and I, I suppose confidence as well in the industry. And it's great for us because obviously, yeah, it's been tough for, for so many people over the last couple of years. And obviously in particular in motorsport and in events, it's been tough. So to finally see that confidence back in people, people willing to travel, go, go into state and um, making our sport thrive again is amazing. And we're seeing that obviously with, with sellout crowds at Grand Prix, there's lots of people I know heading over to Perth and things like this. So uh, I think people have almost been sick of waiting to travel. And now that the, the green light's on and people are, people are seeing other friends and family travel and doing things again, um, it's, it's getting people motivated to go out and enjoy the things that we didn't appreciate, you know, a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, good, good, exciting times ahead. It really is. Last one for me. What does your week look like in between rounds? Uh, how involved are you within the team? You mentioned your role within the commercial side and, it's been a part of your story and your career coming up is how hard you've worked from a commercial side of things to get on the racetrack. But, but for those that might not know, what's, what's a week in the life of Todd Hazelwood between Tasmania and the Grand Prix? How long do you spend at the workshop? How long do you spend working out, trimming yourself up? What do you do? I just go to the beach and drink beers all week. What are you talking <laughs> right, about? The life no. of a race car driver. I love it. Perfect. No. No, exactly. No, look, it's um, yeah, particularly this this turnaround of events. Obviously, Tazzy's just come back. The truck arrives tomorrow, so that that being um, what's tomorrow? Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've had a couple of days to just really, I suppose, let the body recover, go over my notes from the weekend, put some notes together for the engineers. To um, we'll we'll go on a full debrief tomorrow as well. We'll get the whole crew together, and um, go everything that that we we thought was good, what was bad, and what we can do better. And then off the back of that, we'll then start uh, preparing for the Grand Prix as far as, you know, setups, as, as I spoke to you guys before, you know, our preconceived ideas of what we think the circuit's going to want from a car point of view. Um, so we go back and forth on a lot on dialogue, you know, trying to get the most out of the starting setup because it's so crucial to roll the car out of the truck competitively. And, you know, we'll, we'll come up with all of that. 
Um, but then obviously during the week, so I've had a couple couple days off to sort of let the body recover and then back into the gym, just go do my, um, you know, my, my routine leading into a week. And, um, you know, just fo- and, and at the moment, just following up the sponsors over the last couple of days and chatting with them, filling them in over the course of the weekend of, of what we achieved and what we can do better and what to look forward to moving forward. And a final one from me, mate. I mentioned at the start that uh, Van Gisbergen had a pretty solid weekend down in Tassie, also did up in Sydney. Does it feel like we can just hand him the trophy now? <laughs> I don't mean that facetiously, of course, but do you feel that he, he seems to be a level above everyone at the moment? Uh, look, I, I think it's too early to say. You know, obviously, Shane's good. He's very, you know, he's a very capable driver. He's got a lot of confidence on his side with the success that he's had in the last couple of years and in particular. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, looking at, at Sydney Motorsport Park, you know, you, you, you can't rule out guys like Mostert. Um, obviously, the Shell guys are very consistent. And, you know, after, behind that, there's there's a lot of variables going on. There's, there's, you know, I think there's no reason why a team like us can't try and take it and be knocking on the on the door of getting inside the top 10 of the championship and fighting for good results as well. So I think now more than ever, we're seeing a mixed up grid where no car's uncompetitive. Uh, I think you guys summed it up really well um, previously with, with what's hot and what's not in... Um, from the weekend, you know, you're seeing guys like Grove, you know, last year they had a shocking weekend and, yeah. and to see them bounce back and have two cars competitively in the top 10 all weekend, I think, you know, every team has worked hard over the off season and it's really creating a very unpredictable championship for what is the final year of, of um, the Kofka. Thank of you course, for we reading. do know that Thank nine you. out of 10 drivers read the power rankings. Direct power rankings, exactly. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. Thank you for reading the power rankings. We appreciate That's all right. it. I always tune in. <laughs> Make sure I haven't made the knock. <laughs> yes, exactly right. You're in the top <laughs> half this week, mate. You were clear. <laughs> hey, well done, buddy. That was that final answer too was the answer that I wanted to hear because I don't want yeah, I don't want it to be a one-way race. I'm glad to hear that everyone thinks that they can still knock him off, and that's great. And let's go out there and do it. Wishing you all the best for the remainder of 2022, mate. And we'll catch you down in Melbourne for the Australian Grand Prix. Thanks, fellas. No, I really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing you all down there. It's going to be epic. Todd Hazelwood joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, Quasi. Uh, time to catch up with our next guest. And he's a guy who is on the up. There's no doubt about that. Had his first win. In Formula Four, down at Phillip Island, had his first pole position, first win, and first round win. And we say good day to Valentino Astuti from Sonic Motor Racing. Good day, Val. Hello, hello, Tony. Hello, uh, Richard. Nice to be here. Um, uh, very excited. Lovely to have you on board too, mate. We're excited to speak to you as well because we don't often get to speak to the young guys as much as we would like to. And as I said, a perfect weekend for you down at Phillip Island. Two weekends ago, uh, is it still very much on your mind about what happened down there? Um, yeah, I mean, still um, super stoked about um, how that weekend turned out, you know. Really, um, like, getting my head down that weekend and putting results for the team just felt so good. And um, Dad quickly kind of brought me down to earth on the Monday because he got me stripping wiring looms on a car. So <laughs> it, was, um, it was a hard day at work the next day, but um, I was, yeah, really happy with it. Uh, race two, Valentino. I mean, that's one of the best Formula Ford races that there's ever been, I think. Just walk us through that battle pack and the the effort and the energy that goes into racing a Formula Ford at Phillip Island because there were points where you guys were three wide at turn one. The, you've got a 
work out the toe, the thing sideways at Lukey Heights. There's so much going on in a Formula Ford race at Phillip Island, isn't there? So how do you manage that and, and how did you see that one play out? Oh, I mean, um, Phillip Island is very big about managing the toes, especially in Formula Ford. Um, it's all about like a big chess game when you think about it. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's pretty crazy to be honest, because especially when you're leading and you, you just look behind and you see everyone really bunched up in that massive group. Um, and yeah, you're just like, all right, I can't fall back further than like, you know, third position, the rest, then I've got to get the toe out of turn two. And it's a really complex battle, um, all the way throughout the race. Um, it's good that everyone really raced clean. Um, you know, it makes it really interesting and exciting and it's good for the fans as well. No, definitely that second race was great for the fans. I think a lot of people watched it on television as well. And it was fantastic to see the Formula Ford racing is back to where it should be, back as a, a national category with Motorsport Australia and, and on the Shannon's Nationals, which was fantastic to be there with the, the big boys. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Mate, let's talk about uh, the weekend before Phillip Island, and that was Sandown. That was a... A bit of a disappointing weekend for everyone, wasn't it, uh, in regards to the amount of racing that you got and and how things panned out. And I think that was the pleasing thing about Phillip Island is that everything was just so different. The racing at Phillip Island was so different to Sandown. Yeah, I mean, um, Phillip Island for me personally wasn't a flash weekend. Um, It was my first time actually racing on the track. So I had to, like, really take in everything, the lines, the breaking points, you know, good passing opportunities. So it was real tough. Um, but then again, like the racing um, at Sandown is a completely different uh, thing to racing at Phillip Island because Phillip Island's all open wide. It's got a lot of toes and Sandown's really just like a, you're always on it kind of track. Um, there's a lot more passing maneuvers like that happen really quick, I find. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go back even further than that, mate. Because, uh, and and I'm sure you were hoping that it didn't get brought up, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, Wakefield Park, uh, <laughs> round two last year. Uh, just go the, the visions on YouTube. I think Blendline TV captured yeah. it that weekend uh, of, of a pretty spectacular rollover, mate. How how did you put that behind you? Because it was an enormous crash. It, it was terrifying to watch. How do you put something like that behind you when you're a young guy trying to start your racing career and, and move on to um, move on to, you know, trying to contend for a championship and, and keep your career ticking on? Was it, was it a challenge to put that behind you? Um, in a way, it was a bit of a challenge, I guess, um, because like I'd never really done anything like that. You know, I kind of did it a bit much um, with the roles, um, but you know, having good mentors like uh, Michael Ritter at Sonic and, you know, dad being a Formula Holden racer back in his day kind of just really helped me get along with good advice, um, just how to just, like, move on and push forward. And when you're hungry, like I am, like, just to win a championship, that kind of stuff doesn't really phase you. It kind of just, like, you know, it's stuff that happens and, you know, you just get over it real quick and you concentrate on really getting prepared for the next round and the next race and just moving on and doing better. Now, I, I saw your dad pacing while you were in the fight at Phillip Island the other weekend. Uh, oh, for yeah. Those, for, the, yeah, for those that don't know Sam Astudio, you mentioned his Formula Holden career, but he's been a, a team owner for a long time and 
guru mechanic and a great uh, asset to Australian motor racing. How does the old man go as a spectator? And and I've seen him running your brother, Antonio, an S5000, but how does he go as a racing dad in the paddock? Do you, do you get a tune up every now and then or does he let the team do their work? How does it, how does it work? Oh, dad's awesome. I mean, like he always gets a little bit nervous, you know, when I'm out on the grid, but he likes to, he only really shows it at the end of the weekend. You know, he doesn't like to really like put the emotions on me as, as we're trying to get the weekend done. Um, but yeah, he's, he's real good. You know, he's always got some really helpful tips, you know, that he slots into me preparing for a race here and there. And he's just super concentrated when he works on the car, making everything perfect. He's just like, I couldn't hope for a better dad, to be honest. He's just amazing. He is great to watch in, in the pits. You're, you're right there and uh, what he does do in regards to preparing the car. Another guy that doesn't show emotion that well is Mick Ritter. <laughs> uh, how is his feeling after your clean sweep of a weekend? Um, well, I think he was happy. Um, <laughs> he's very hard to read emotion, um, Michael. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to think he was happy, but he's always hard and, you know, really making sure there's always something to get better at. So, yeah, he's, he's very respectable for that. You know, I, I reckon Michael has cultivated this this story <laughs> about him being the real hard man. I reckon he's a giant softy underneath. But he, he just he just cultivates this hard man of Australian motor racing. But the track record speaks for itself. <laughs> Um, Valentino, what, where do you see yourself going? What's the pathway plan for you in motorsport? And we all know it's a, a massively challenging thing to firstly find the budget just to do Formula Ford, let alone to look at going overseas or move to supercars or something like that. But what do you want to do? What's the direction you want to take in the sport? Um, well, like ultimately, like the best thing, like probably number one thing on my wish list right now would be to get to V8s. You know, that's kind of the end goal because getting overseas, to be honest, that is a big budget thing. And, um, you know, it's very hard to get over there, to be honest. So probably next step would be, um, Porsches through Sonic, um, try find a big budget for that. Um, you know, try and get as many sponsors as I can this year while I trying to build a budget for next year um but the end goal would yeah try to try to get my uh, ass in a v8 supercar <laughs> mate a final one from me you're seven foot five inches tall <laughs> or maybe seven two or maybe i have exaggerated a little bit mate, how do you go fitting into one of those little formula fords it's absolutely beyond me how you can do it comfortably oh it's not comfortable trust me um <laughs> well um I'm first of all, I'm a size 12 foot. So I have to wear size 10 boots in order to get my feet um, without hitting the steering column. Really? Jeez. Yep. Um, so the pedals are all the way forward and beyond. Um, my knees are at the top of the roll cage all the time. Um, the seat insert, there's not much of it. Um, it's just really like a thin layer at the back to stop my back hitting the roll, the roll bars. And my ass is just on the steel plate on the floor. It's um very tight <laughs> vision by those cars. You're right. Not comfortable at all. No. no, no. Gee, we must be pretty bruising at Sandown, mate. The bumpy old joint that is. Oh yeah, no, that uh, that gave me a good uh, good work there. It was very <laughs> fun. Geez, no wonder you're looking forward to getting into a tin top. Yes. <laughs> yeah. a bit like a limo by comparison. Yeah, oh, yeah a lot more cool. space.
Yeah. Uh, well done, mate. No, we, we've yeah. enjoyed following your career and uh, I've known your dad for a long, long time since he was running uh, Michael Trimble in Formula 3 racing in Australia. So uh, I don't know, even, how old are you now? You'd be, what? 19. Yeah. 19. So you would have been about three years old because it, <laughs> yep. it was it was actually 18 years ago, nine, uh, 17 years ago that was happening, 2004-05. So um, no, it, it's great to see, mate. We love the the stories of second generation drivers coming up and, and Sam's such a great part of our paddock. So it's been good fun watching you and your brother um, make their careers happen and with the drive and determination that you guys have got. So well done and uh, keep swinging and looking forward to following the remainder of this year's Australian Formula Four Championship because I get the feeling it's going to be an absolute beauty. Yeah, no, awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah, it should be really good, actually. Got a lot. It's a long season ahead. Um, still five more rounds. Um, a track like Morgan Park and the Bend I haven't been to myself. So, um, yeah, it should be nice and challenging. Yep. Next looking round is part it. of the uh, Supercars Super Sprint up at yeah. Winton in the middle of yeah. May. So looking forward to that as well. And we've got to get you down on at one point because I've got to hear the story about the steering wheel throw after the lead in Adelaide. I've, I've heard so much about it, but I want to hear it from him. <laughs> you want to hear it from Dad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. We'll get him on one day. I yeah, have, I've, will. I've heard that story. It's yeah, tremendous. I'm sure yeah. you have. All right, Val, thanks for your time. I'd appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. All good. See you guys later. Thanks so much. Valentino Studi joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, Richard, time to be joined by a couple of our mates to have a chat about what happened last weekend and also what's coming up as well. We say good day to Mark Walker, first of all. Good day, Mark. Tony Shebeki, glad to be on your podcast. Glad to have you on our podcast. Oh, sorry. And <laughs> Tom, uh, Julie, of course, from, from Doric. It's his podcast as well because he pays for it. How are you, Tom? <laughs> no, good evening, boys. Always pleasure to be with you. I'd love to have you as well. Uh, great weekend. We spoke to uh, Todd Hazelwood before about the weekend. It was everything about Tasmania was just fantastic. The weather, the racing was pretty hot. There were crowds. It was, and it was somewhere different other than Sydney Motorsport Park or Bathurst. Well, that How was good. number one, wasn't it? That was number one that we got to turn one and went a different direction for a very brief moment and How then good. turned left again. But. Oh, yeah, short track racing, bump and grind, no stupid long loaded corners that supercars are no good in, uh, uber soft tyre, like just all worked out and we had three, I think, really good races. We wrote in the power rankings that if you were a casual fan of motorsport and walked away from those three races not enjoying what you saw, you're probably never going to get the sport, are you? Because yeah. I thought they were three races each of them had something a little bit different uh they had a bit of strategy they had some elbows out stuff like race one there was just something for everyone i thought and, and enough variety in the field even if shane smoked everybody there was enough variety in what was going on that it, it kept it pretty captivating for mine you know that first race at sydney motorsport park on the saturday night 300 k's it did drag on didn't it yeah, those yeah. races on the weekend 100 k's short sharp to the point you sort of get settled in and it's like, hang on, we've got five laps to go here. There'd be some yep. big blow up in the race and everyone would be talking about it. And then, oh, check a flag, it's all done and dusted, which was good for people with a short attention span like myself. I think the big talking point was the SVG carve-ups there in that first race that uh, propagated out over the weekend to ultimately, would you say that it saw Cam Waters escort Tim Slade halfway to the moon? Do you think it's no. like overblown though, Marco? Like 
to be frank, like I think the first one on Will was okay. I think the one on Cam potentially was 51-49 good first bag because he actually like obviously got him a bit loose and then made the pass that way. But I think it's a bit overblown. Like the whole in your head comment, I think it's way too overblown because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He was going to smash everyone that weekend. He was so much faster than everybody. It didn't matter if they drove down the inside or the outside of the track. He's going to pass them eventually because like, he was just so much faster. But I think, you know, elbows out was, was great to see. I thought it was a, a good weekend's racing, that's for sure. I'm not complaining that Shane was involved in those carve-ups, which is great. We want a bit of talk. We want to see carving up. Obviously, the door was left open. Scotty McLaughlin chimed in with his two cents on Twitter, yeah. which is lovely to say. It's always good when Scotty's engaged at 2 a.m. over in the States. But then, yeah, it blew up. Obviously, all the drivers were beating around the head that night going, don't stand, don't take that, don't take that. And Cam Waters didn't take it. And ultimately, man, up costing himself a drive through. I was really waiting for Shane to hop out of the car and go up to his teammate, Brock Feeney, and give a high five and say, bump and run, brother. Bump and run. <laughs> yeah. Do, I mean, Feen, was he overly generous in letting him go in race two? Or did Rookie. he just be as safe as he possibly could to avoid any potential drama and make sure he finished second? I, I think it's the latter. I don't, I don't reckon he fired it up the road. I, I think he just was as, as gentle as he possibly could. No, Shane, you're faster anyway. I don't want to get into a wink up style squabble with you just yet at this point in my career. So I'll let you go. I didn't have a massive drama that Shane was going to win anyway. And at that point in Brock's career, a bit of friendly fire is not, not what he needs at all. I, I thought he was really, really good. How far ahead of the curve is he to be out oh, there getting podiums we, at this stage? That I think is we all agree. way ahead of where I think. I think we all agree he's going to be okay, don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, <laughs> can drive. Yeah. He's six in the championship after five races. Like, he's but doing he, a super job. He'd never driven at Simmons Plains no. in anything before. No. And he bowled out there, was top Crazy. 10 all weekend. No dramas. Sweet. He, I would say he was the most impressive driver from the weekend for me. Like, Shane dominated, but, like, for a guy who hasn't been there before to literally just turn up in a, a good kit, because obviously AAA kit, is fantastic around Simmons Plains as shown by Matt Stone Racing. Um, you know, that's an amazing performance from a young kid who's never seen the track before to, to be in the top 10 all weekend and really, you know, to grab a podium and a one-two. Fantastic result for Brock. Do you know, I think the real test of where Brock Feeney is at this year will be next weekend at the Grand Prix because, A, it's it's a vastly different Grand Prix. And we, we talked about this to Todd Hazelwood early in the show. It's a vastly different Albert Park circuit to what we've seen before. A, they've changed half the corners. B, it's been resurfaced. There's so many variables about it. It's as close to a clean sheet that he's going to get this season in terms of everyone rolling out with about the same level of an idea as the next bloke down the lane. So whether you've won 10 championships or you've started five races, you're going to be as close at Albert Park as you'll be at any other circuit this season. So for mine, seeing how quickly he a, gets up to speed and then where he lands in qualifying at Albert Park, I think will be absolutely key. If he's in the top half a dozen at Albert Park, that will be an enormous tick in the box because on a relatively level playing field, compared to all the other trucks we'll visit this year, especially half of them he's never been to before, this is the opportunity to show that raw, uh, unbridled performance really early in his career. So that's going to be one of the stories I'll be watching very, very closely next week. The Grand Prix is a tough ask, though. Those qualifying sessions are so short and yeah. sharp, you get one lap a go, so you don't get second or third chances that you had at Simmons Plains. Well, that's my point. If he nails it, 
Yeah. What a tick. 100%. That's, that's enormous. Yeah. And even if, Tom, even if he gets two of them right, so let's say he mucks up the first two 10-minute sessions and he's 14th and 12th, I don't think it matters. But if he ends up in quality four, if he ends up fourth or fifth, that for mine is a tick, I reckon. If he, like, our expectations for Brock this year was top 10 in the championship, right? Like, he's already exceeding expectations. If he finishes in the top six of the championship, you would say that he's definitely exceeded expectations for his yeah. season for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh the other good drive from the weekend as well came from uh, your boy, Tom, Will Davison. Yeah, he was true. Like, you know, he basically should have finished second every race on the weekend bar for, you know, that pit stop error from DJR. But, you know, he had the pace that, you know, obviously being away from S&P was great for Will. Yes, he's wanted to get away for that joint for God knows how long. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's he's always done well at Spence Plains. He's won there a few times, you know, 12, I think 16 as well um, in the techno car. So he's won he's won there a few times. He's always performed well there. So yeah, he obviously was faster than Anton, uh, which would have surprised some people over the weekend. But, you know, he is good at that track. The car is good and he performed well. He should have, he was second fastest car. Um, probably could have won one of the races if he was lucky, if he made a better start and things went his way. But really, you know, honestly, no one was beating Shane. So good points weekend for, for him and, and DJR proving that they are uh, the best team with Triple Eight to really go for this championship this year. It was the old group position too that we had at Race Tasmania earlier in yeah. the year, wasn't it? You didn't want to be in that pole position. But Willie, just to get those points up over Anton, who had a bit of a Will Davison weekend, really. He was just accumulating points. He's now second in the standings. Will's third behind SVG. Obviously, Chaz, what a Barry Crocker from those guys. Even Nick Perkat, they were nowhere on the weekend. Well, we'll come to that in a minute. So yeah. as we talk, and, and I feel bad because just before race three in Tassie, I did Google this. So as we talk on Tuesday night, and, and as you listen to this on Wednesday, it's been 1,998 days since the 2016 Bathurst 1000, which was Will Davison's last win. Where does it come? I think we all agree as a group that it will come at some point this season, right? Where did the stars align that Will does the job and DJR get a pit stop right perhaps and get some race pace over a distance? Where do, where do we think? Where, where's the prediction? Let's let's see how close we are to the mark. Throw me around. It'll be a race to the Grand Prix. Ooh. Okay. Because yeah. he was, he, 2020 uh, Mustang Milwaukee racing was qualified third. There's two, right, the two Thursday sessions. Yep. Most racing never happened. So he was behind the two Triple Eight cars and he was the fastest Mustang on that occasion, even in front of uh, Scotty. Yep. Um, so, He's been good around that. Obviously, track has changed, but you know, uh, he's he's not gone on the door. He'll win. He'll win a race, one of those four races at the AGP. Hopefully, if they chuck the super super soft tires on at Barber Gallo, that makes it a bit spicy over there. And he's been yeah. in the game. Remember, he won over there with uh, Erebus and the Mercedes back in 2015. So he's got some runs on the board, yeah. and and he was he was in that uh, have them or have them off uh, moment at the end of. Uh, when was that? 2012. Yes. So, I mean, he's pretty handy over there. And that's the sort of race that'll play into his his mind, his his skill set, where he's able to save tyres and conserve throughout. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Might be the Grand Prix, and I look like a bit of a deal. Question. Hmm. Super duper soft tyres. Are they actually doing what they're supposed to do? Because I don't think they're degrading, really. It's great racing, but I don't think they're degrading as much as we all expected, right? <laughs> What Dunlop's done is made a really good tyre. Yeah. 
Whereas I think what everyone hoped they'd make was a really, really shit tyre that was great for three laps and then fell off a cliff. Um, which I think when you throw the term super soft out is what people expect. But look, I think my question would be, and, and it would be interesting to back to back it, is would the racing on the weekend been as good without that tyre? Did that tyre give them the confidence to take the low line at the hairpin and get the side draft that was talked about so much or have a big stab at turn six or for someone to pass around the outside over the hump at turn one for crying out loud, that that would be my thing. And and if the answer is yes, then it's probably a tick. Um, in terms of delivering a high deg product, it, it clearly is not that kind of a tire, but if it's giving them confidence to get the elbows out and have a real stab, because whether it gives them better feel or, just more grip for longer, whatever it might be, then it's probably a decent thing. It's a good point though. You know, you look at those races on the weekend and I don't know if at home we got to see all of everything that was going on because there were a lot of guys oh, yeah. who made the burn from the stern and really gained a lot of positions there from rear of grid up into top 10. And we never really saw that. It would always be sort of focused on the battle at the front, but you'd have these guys who are clearly making moves throughout the whole race. And that's a good thing. Uh, who does Brad Jones need to see to get some luck turned around? Seriously, has he stepped on a black cat as he walked under a ladder? What the hell has that man done in the last couple of years? Because they are just capitulating. Yeah, you know, the, what they've also lost is their pit stop ability. Oh, well, that's right. the, You're right. They used to be the best team. Well, they're three times in a row they've won yes. the pit stop challenge thing at Bathurst. So, and at the moment they don't even have that. Look, Andre Heimgartner, I, I think's done a really solid job. Like he's been properly quick and eighth in the first race there, backed up a really good run at Sydney Motorsport Park. But ultimately they had a shocker. So from, from 12 potential entries on the weekend with four cars over three races, they had one top 10. Yeah. And outside of that, no one finished better than 15th. So for a four car team, that is... Absolutely appalling. Hey, we're the, talking about Brad Jones Racing, not Tickford, aren't we? No, we're talking about Brad Jones oh, Racing. We'll get to Tickford. Yeah, cool. uh, so Andre Heimgartner, 15th. Jack Smith, 19th. Uh, Macaulay Jones, 21st. And where's Bryce Forward? He's 18th, so I missed him. But So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty grim down Albury Way at the moment. I don't know what they do to turn around. They've just got to execute a strong weekend for for uh, Heimgartner, don't they? They need a weekend. If he finishes fifth in every race at the Grand Prix, they will go and burn Aubrey down because it'll be a success, such a big party after what they've had at but Sydney's Plains. He gets his fifth and the other three cars are watered up next to each other in the fence somewhere. Yeah, smoking <laughs> piles of dung. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, we mentioned Tickford. They had just as bad a weekend. Well, so we talked about it in the preview last week that last year... Um, Cam Waters converted two poles into what a pair of fourths, I think, wasn't it? Uh, this year he converted it into a podium, so that was improvement. Yeah, uh, they only lost One two car. spots, but outside of that, gee, they were a bit, they were a bit average too. James Courtney had a solid weekend, twelfth, eighth, and ninth, not bad, and he was sort of in the mix. Um, but Jake Kostecki's clearly still getting himself up to speed, and and Cam Waters. You know, the big question, boys, that we're all asking before the season is, is this the Cam Waters that will contend for a championship this year? And and based on the inconsistency at the moment, you've got to say 
Probably not. Like, I don't know, it's only five races in, but you can't be doing things like that moment with Tim Slade and then drive through penalties because of it um, and hope to be contending for a title. It feels like he's driving that thing so hard to try and keep it in the mix that um, sometimes things like that happen. But there were some smokies put up into the mix. Obviously, Matt Stone Racing, Todd Hazelwood was up there and they did a fantastic job all weekend long. You know, even if the Jack didn't get the results, you know, he was up there in the mix as well. Mm. He put it on the front row, which was awesome to see. And that was genuine pace that was there throughout the entire race. Uh, Dave Reynolds, yeah. where has that come from? That's yeah. genuine pace too. Mm. That was that, huge. I think that was Tickford's. I think that's them, SMP and Simmons. I'd say they're two worst tracks. You say that? Well, I'd be pole, hoping though. that that's the case. He got a pole, though. Yeah, true. But, like, you know, I think consistently Cam's always done, you know, they've done well at all the races that are coming up now. So I really want to see if he can deliver uh, in the next three to four rounds. So I think now, like I think we, we said in uh, the post-race of the first one, that the season really started this weekend because we're getting to a proper track again. And now, you know, is for me, is the championship down to, to five cars already? Oh, I think it's down to one car, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> the guy who sponsors be... DJR hopes otherwise. But <laughs> well, yeah, so do I. But uh, Tickford have to be better than that, though. They can't be putting all their eggs in the Cam Waters basket. They need to be consistently getting three cars, top dozen. Well, even even two Shebex, I think. Yeah. The, the thing for mine is that, and, and we're only working on two rounds and five races worth of evidence, but the only two teams that have delivered in the two rounds consistently, Triple Eight, Dick Johnson Racing. Yeah. I, I read a story during the week post-race saying that uh, there's no bad teams left in supercars. And maybe that'd be true, but there's two really good ones that are yeah. head and shoulders above the That's rest. Cool. And they might not be bad teams, but there's not two teams that go to every racetrack where you can think they're going to win. I don't think it's bad teams. It's just our expectations of the teams. You know, we expect Tickford and Brad Jones Racing to perform because they can do it. We've seen it over the years that they can go out there and win. So the expectation is you guys can lob up here and win. And when yeah. you lob up and you're just bowling wides all weekend, that's when you, you get a knot in the power rankings. It's not because you're a bad team. It's just we expect better of you. The difference between a really good team and a good team is consistency. They do it week in and week out. And WAU start to need to, uh, need to start to find that consistency as well to become a really good team. Yeah, you're bang on with WAU, Shebex. And aside from Chazzy's drive to fourth in race four, outside of that, they were absolutely pay nowhere. Yeah. You know, Nick had a couple of really solid drives to, I think, 11th and 10th yeah. uh, in the two races on Sunday. I mean, that's good, but Nick shouldn't be 10th or 11th. He should be top five as well with, with Chaz Mostert. So y- your point's exactly right. What happened to Erebus? Mm. Such a promising start to the season yeah. and even a promising Saturday with, with Brody's performance in race one to finish fourth uh, or race three of the championship to finish fourth solid, but they were absolutely nowhere on Sunday. They, they were MIA, but then you go a little bit further down pit lane and go to team 18 and Charlie's two boys had a really solid sort of turn of results on, on Sunday. Scotty Pye was seventh. Um, Mark Winterbottom had a sixth and a seventh. Like um, Scotty was even seventh in race one of the weekend. So like they had a decent weekend by their standards. So again, they were a team that weren't really competitive in round one. It's going to be like that all year, isn't it? And I think the the Kelly Grove or the the, uh, Grove racing example is the ultimate one. 
but David Reynolds finished fourth and third, legitimately on car speed on yeah. Sunday. It was... and, and Leroy raced well, but Correct. he just qualified nowhere. If he exactly. started where where he sort of finished, yeah. he would have been absolutely in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Anything else we need to bring up from Well, I just feed, feed it, it's nice seeing drivers that have had a terrible run be competitive and show just remind you what they're capable of. And I got that from Dave on Sunday. Um, Dave's had a pretty shocking run, whether it was the Sydney vaccination debacle, everything else going on. Um, it was nice to see him back at the field and just remind everybody that he's actually still probably one of the top seven or eight drivers in the sport. And, and though hasn't quite delivered on all of that ability that he's had over his journey, man, he's good fun to watch when he's switched on and when he's got the machinery to do it. And the relaxed, happy, crazy Dave at the end of the weekend, that's what we want to see more of. So the sport's in a better place when guys like him are good. So I really enjoyed stories like that from the weekend and, and hopefully we see more of those over the weekend. I, I think that was a cool story. The sport's not in a better place though when Shane Van Gisbergen has a personality rewind. He is literally... Oh, he doesn't like the media, Shebex, does oh, he? Oh, yeah, but there was a period there where I actually thought he had changed. And it just seems like a tassie for some reason. I don't know why, but he was very prickly. Is it an expectation thing that we all thought he won, wins Bathurst, wins a championship, smokes everybody, clearly the best driver around at the moment, that maybe he'd loosen up? But then if you've got an apathy for doing media at any point, then you you've got that full it, stop. Yeah. yeah, so... It's the, it's it's part of the SVG package is that he can be quite a prickly interview, and it was noticeable that they didn't talk to him much on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, he smoked them, and he got the winners' interview, but that was it. Whereas, I, I would wage money that if it was Chaz, uh, they would have had him on for a good five minute debrief on the race because you know from a Chaz you're going to get a you're going to get a really good couple of comments, and he'll be engaging and he'll interact and have some fun with it. At least his teammates Brock Fanny. That's a bit of breath, yeah. breath of fresh air on that <laughs> side of the camp there too. He's he's yeah. good. He's a good kid, and I think he'll he'll grow into himself, and he'll be a really good chap. He seriously went to the Craig Lounge School of Smiling, didn't he, Feeney? That's he's well, you would be too. Smile. No, he's just got a permanent disgrace. <laughs> Nineteen, he'd have been gifted the best car yeah. in the sport, <laughs> and you got Jamie Wink up holding the umbrella for yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> you reduced the goat to umbrella juice. <laughs> like I, I get to do it, but like I'm not the goat. Bloody J-Dub is. Uh, you're, the goat, you're, you're the goat of appearing in the back of camera shots, though, my friend. That Hashtag Dory guy. Yeah, toss up between you and Paul Gover. Uh, Paul Gover. Yes. Who the better one is. Uh, <laughs> F1 Saudi Arabia. That was a, an interesting, an interesting so, race. Dodgy location. Still not a great racetrack. Don't like it. But, no. man, it was a good Grand Prix. How can, yeah. they, how can they race? After they're having a bomb strike within six kilometres of a oh, racetrack, yeah, it's all right. But the missile missile defence system covers the racetrack. They'll yeah. be right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and let's forget about their human rights and all yeah. that sort of stuff. We'll we'll put that out to out to the back. We'll just the glorious oh. the glorious irony of their big stand against the war in Ukraine the week before in Bahrain. And then they roll into Yemen versus Saudi Arabia, and no, no, play on. It's all good. <laughs> this would be like Friday morning of. Albert Park, the Carlton Draft Brewery gets blown up by twoies or something. Like what? What? Do, what do we have here in Melbourne? <laughs> no, it's equivalent. Bloody Bloody Sydney right. is coming down south. That's not. What uh, we that's want. our most valuable yeah. export, isn't it? Carlton Draft. Well, I'm just excited for the Grand Prix in Albert Park now. Like the racing, the two. Like obviously they've had. We've had 
you know, at the they've redone the circuit to make better racing at, for F1. So, you know, you could say that our, our track is having some Saudi elements to it. It's faster and flowing compared to what it used to be. So mm. it's going to be a, a, a fantastic weekend for, for a city packed out the racing. Hopefully for everyone's going to be outstanding. And let's see if um, Denny Boy can get up to the front, hopefully. Uh, are the DRI signs too long now? Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it depends on the kind of drag level they run in the cars. Because if the at the lower downforce circuits, they're um, they're not that bad because the effect's not as big. Mm. So I, I didn't. I, I thought they were okay in Saudi, probably a bit powerful, but um, but again, the the problem is with Albert Park is no one knows now. Mm. So that segment from turn seven all the way around to twelve and thirteen has been changed. No one knows how that's going to race. Um, and then how will, will the cars be able to run closely through or closer now they've changed the arrow through that, the fast left, right down the run towards heading towards Fitzroy street and turn 13, that, that, which is a DRS zone, that's going to be the potentially the best overtaking spot on the track, but we'll know if the new rules work, if they can follow close out of the 250 K an hour left, right kink that we all love around the back. It is going to be so sketched through there. They're going to be doing 330 k's an hour. And yeah. that whole beach, uh, the the curve around the back straight and inverted commas, it's going to be a bit on edge. They're going to have a little bit on there, especially if there's a bit of weather about, which Good. Uh, we're in Melbourne, it's probably due. You're not in, you're not <laughs> yeah. in Sydney, so you're okay. <laughs> you're not flooding again. Uh, I yeah, think I, it, it's the, the DRS good. zone, Mark, I think the best way to put it is, in the past, DRS encouraged overtaking. Now DRS zones promote overtaking. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that's that's a fair way to put it. I think, isn't it? You pretty yeah. much pretty much you know now that if you're with if you got DRS, you're going to overtake. Well, uh, mainly mainly because seen. mainly because you can get to the back of them better. Yeah. Now that mm. now that the cars can actually run closer, and I think the evidence is clear that they can do that. And the midfield battle, it's like supercars at the moment, isn't it? Like behind Ferrari and Red Bull. Merck are in no man's land in, in P5 and 6 with their two cars in, in car speed, or Lewis is even worse than that at the moment. But then, like, you've got Haas, you've got the two Alpines carving each other up, which is great. The Williams is a back half of the top 10 car if Albon drives it really, really hard. The Alpha Tauri with Gasly's great when his intestines aren't trying to carve themselves out. Of his, I don't know what that was. That was strange. Um like it, it's the midfield is genuinely as good as it's ever been, and and even Lando showed that the McLaren is getting better. Uh, then he's not going to win. The McLaren's not going to win the Australian Grand Prix. I'm sorry. I think the best chance for the big party on Sunday night is uh, is old Ligon Street. If Ferrari can continue their form, she'll be uh, she'll be pretty big if Leclerc gets up. But I want to see Carlos Sainz win. I think his first win at Melbourne that would be such good. a cool thing to see. Tis the world went a little bit quiet too when uh, Mick Schumacher went to the wall. Oh, big shunt. Just a second or two of just... <gasps> big shunt, wasn't big it? Big shunt. Cars are safe, aren't they? Probably don't walk yeah. away from that a decade ago. No, you're right. You're right. But they probably don't hit it as hard a decade ago either. Mm, true. Oh, yeah. True. Uh, NASCAR. What NASCAR. a race. Well, the, the race itself was a bit nothing. Uh, I don't, I don't know if the, the race itself... If that was a product of Coda as a NASCAR track, or the fact that this new generation NASCAR that they've got over there, it's like a supercar. Didn't Coda win an Oscar for the best movie? Oh, look, 
All, all my Facebook has been Come is on. just slap memes. I've just, I'm just going to back that down a bit. I'm just, I'm going to turn off. I can't deal with it. Um, you know, the car's a better performing package. It's got bigger tires, bigger brakes, all the things that supercars are. And it doesn't necessarily have that wallowing NASCAR thing that has made their road course racing really cool in the last few years. Like mm. they're driving well, which means the racing isn't quite as good. We didn't really get a good yardstick on it last year with Cota with the, uh, the rain. it rained out. So mm. we didn't get a feel for it there. So whether this is the package or it's the track, we don't really know. One thing was the finish was absolutely all-time fantastic with three-way battle and they all shared a bit of the lead within the last couple of corners before Ross Chastain. He's been on the podium. I think it's four races in a row now over there. They don't have podiums, but uh, he's been notching up some big stats. Essentially a first-year team, track house, owned by Justin Marks, an old sports car racer and NASCAR racer and Pitbull, the entertainer. So... uh, that team took over from Chip Ganassi Racing at the end of last season and sort of started afresh. And they have been, outside of Hendrick Motorsport, the team to beat, really. And he cleared out uh, Ajay Allmendinger, who's just a, a ringer for the road courses there, and Alex Bowman, who's already had a win, so he didn't care. He's wiped <laughs> them all out. There was smoke and dust and debris, and he got his first win. Eighth-generation watermelon farmer. Congratulations. <laughs> That's what you want to see. That's a storyline, isn't it? Love it. Yeah. Love it was it. the watermelon stuck to his face during the interview, though, wasn't it? For, forever and a day, his history, if, if that's the only cup race he ever wins, his only winner's interview, he will have a watermelon seed lodged in his beard, and people will know that. But, I wonder uh, if he's ever heard of Watermelon Boy. Well, we need wow. to get your boy and him together, I think, don't we? Well, I think we do. Hashtag Watermelon Boy. If you don't know what we're talking about, if you're listening via our friends at the Radio Show Limited Network and you have no idea what we're talking about, please Google it. Uh, Big Bash Game, Melbourne Cricket Ground, BBL 5, I reckon it was, maybe. Yeah. When everything went big, 80,000 people day. Um, Years ago. Yeah. uh, Google it. We're related to that guy. Yeah, we are. (laughs) A product of me. A product of me, and that doesn't say much. (laughs) Good product. Uh, We've got nothing really on this weekend, have we? It's all sort of in preparation of. It's the calm before the storm that will yeah. be the Formula One Heineken Australian Grand Prix. How good. Yeah. What a weekend that's going to be. Can't wait. We're yeah, all just much pretty so. keen. Well, actually, one thing we should do, we should mention Bathurst uh, six hour coming up and uh, an amazing, and also the 12 hour too. There's been some good releases come out in the last couple of uh, weeks, Richard, including some uh, big car numbers, some good, big grid numbers. Uh, yeah, 70 for the six hour. Uh, I can tell you now, Anton Di Pasquale will be on that grid. Uh, as this podcast goes live, I, that press release will come out, hopefully. Uh, we brought that up last week, but I think we've timed the news right this time around. <laughs> uh, so that's good. Uh, so the top three drivers in the Supercar Championship will all be on the six hour grid, which is cool. 70 cars, lots of guns. That's going to be great. 12 hours starting to build. There's good things coming there. Six Audi R8s from the factory team announced on Monday this week. Uh, another combo with a former Bathurst 1000 winner will get announced, hopefully, as we go to air, if not just a little bit after it. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of cool stuff down the road. Um, there's rumors of Triple Eight running a bunch of Mercs instead of just the one they've got entered. Uh, it, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about that uh, in May. So we, we look forward to Australia's international enduro. It sort of comes back to that Phillip Island Shans round the other week where we had Van Giers, Mostert, these sort of cats 
all this, you know, people go to see supercars because of the stars. Mm. And now all the stars are rolling up to the Bathurst six hour yeah. or the Shannon's meet or the 12 hour. There's no excuse not to get on board and, and love all this motorsport that's going on. I, I don't think we've ever been in such a fortunate position as motorsport fans to have such good quality cars and racing and the drivers spread out across them. If only you could Surely. stream it all live and, ex- and live from your lounge room and watch it on your phone yeah. or something. If only you could oh, stream wait. it. Hang on. You can. <laughs> you can. Oh, <laughs> outstanding. Incredible. Please don't start me, Tom. And also, I, good news. I, like, I like your sense of humor, but if someone asks me if they can stream it for free, I'm going to have a small mental issue. Also, some uh, good news for people who can stream something for free. Uh, AMRS is going to be having highlights packages put on 7 Mate for the uh, remainder of the year of their uh, of their series. So that's not too bad. Your dulcet few... tones, Shebeki. Yeah. Yes. Looking forward to uh, doing that. Good. Yeah. That's Good it. Chat. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Tony. See you in Melbourne next week. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do that. Mark, Richard, catch you next week as well. Preview the Grand Prix. Yeah. We should find a pub to record it in. We're allowed to go Could to do pub. It. I'm not going to public spaces until oh, no, uh, okay. Monday afternoon. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I've got a bit to live for. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, boys, catch you next week, and we'll catch you also right here on The Grid.